Do you know a woman who is driving positive change, growth, or innovation in her organization or community? The second annual Success Women of Influence Awards are underway. So whether a friend, a family member, or peer, give the recognition she deserves. The Success Women of Influence Awards honor, celebrate, and empower the extraordinary women whose contributions have impacted their industries and their communities, and the personal and professional lives of those in their world. Visit success.com slash W-O-I to nominate the women of influence in your life today. If you're looking for success, it's in the details. Small hinges move big doors. And now your host, Karen Allen. Hey friend, welcome to In the Details. I'm your host, Karen Allen. I'm joined today with Amanda Kuda. Amanda is an alcohol-free lifestyle expert and coach who helps ambitious, soul-centered women stop drinking and start manifesting the life they desire and deserve. Amanda's first book is coming out October, 2023. So actually it should be out. It should be hitting the shelves by the time you're hearing this. And as you're looking for it, make sure you look up unbottled potential. That's it right there. Type it in, go find it right now. Because with an approach that's rooted in psychology and spiritual study, Amanda is going to challenge you to open up your mind to the extraordinary possibilities of an alcohol-free life. This is so much more than dry January. It's an opportunity to investigate your relationship with alcohol and also to understand the true meaning behind Sober Curious. Let's go ahead and hop in the details with Amanda. Amanda, welcome. Hey, Karen. So good to be here today. I'm so happy that you're here. I mean, this is such a great conversation for a lot of different reasons, but more than anything, it's that last piece there where you mentioned being sober curious. I'm like, well, now I'm curious what sober curious means because I've heard that before, but I think it's best to start at the beginning. Let's talk about what made you want to become an alcohol-free lifestyle expert? <laughs> well, first of all, let me tell you, Karen, that I became this completely by accident. We just fall I, into this. Yeah, we? I just <laughs> fell into it. It was something that it it happened on purpose, but also just by pure serendipity. You know, I, in 2016, 2017, started to become what they call sober curious, which is a term that is coined by one of my friends and mentors, Ruby Warrington. She wrote a book on the entire topic. And it's this area where you're kind of wanting to dabble in sobriety, but you don't know if you want to do it full time, but you're just curious about it. And I started to get really sober curious around the time I was in my early thirties. And it didn't make sense to me because I was just a normal, casual social drinker, albeit maybe kind of heavy on the weekend with you know, five o'clock happy hour, Sunday, fun day, brunch and whatever else. And I really just started feeling incongruent with the lifestyle. It was fun. And I felt like it was something that was normal for me to do in that time of my life. But I also had this deeper sense that I was capable of more in every area of my life, personally, professionally, romantically, you know, just in my health. And on the outside, I was doing really good. I had a great job. I was getting all the kudos and all of the accolades. I was making good money. I had a, you know, an apartment that was, you know, beautifully decorated. I had the car. I had the friends. I was going out on dates. I have a healthy fit body and it didn't make sense that I felt this discontent with my life. And I just kind of had this feeling that there was something that I couldn't stretch towards. Like I was kind of being restrained And I was reading all of these self-help books that were telling me how to be more productive and how to be more mindful. And I was doing it, 
And it felt like it was moving the needle a little bit, but not in the way that I wanted to, not the way that I felt that it could be moved. And so I kept going back to this sober curiosity and thinking, you know, maybe giving up alcohol is the thing that would move the needle. But every time I had that thought here and I was like, no, I kind of rushed it away. I'm like, not that. No, 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 no. I'll be such a weirdo if I don't drink and I won't know how to have fun. I won't have any friends. And so I kept dismissing this thought. And as it happens, the thought just kept popping back up and popping back up. And finally, I just was like, okay, enough of this. I'm going to take a break from alcohol. You know, I had tried to kind of moderate a little bit and that wasn't incredibly successful. So I decided I'm just taking a break. And I did at the time dry January, which was helpful because a lot of other people were taking a break and something just felt good about it. I mean, it felt hard and scary. Don't get me wrong still, but I felt this sense of like, oh, I don't have to worry about this anymore. And the more that I did it, the more that I abstained, the more confident I felt. And I started talking about it and sharing about it. And I have a background in coaching and marketing and in business. And I had decided at some point that I did want to be a coach. I did want to flex my expertise and support people and, you know, use this desire to, to just help other people. And all of a sudden people started asking me to support them in going alcohol free. And so that became, because it was such a pivotal platform in my life, it was such a foundational element of my own wellness and personal development journey. It just kind of fell into place and we can kind of go down some other paths, but it happened on purpose, but also completely by accident. (laughs) Well, it sounds like the... There's a couple of things. And I feel like I've also seen evidence of this in my life. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you start to hear this small whisper and you're like, okay, I should probably pay attention to that. Right. And all of us have that small voice in our inside of ourselves. And so we start to hear it and we're like, mm, I'm starting to pay attention, but maybe not an immediate action follows. Right. Mm-hmm. But then because you've paid attention, it starts to get a little bit louder and it, or it comes up more often. And so you're like, okay, well, I'm going to intentionally act on this. Right. That's the intentional part of like, okay, okay, I'll pay attention and I will do something with this. But then it's like the fire is ablaze at that point. You're oh, yeah. like, now it's fully <laughs> ignited. And you're like, I didn't expect for it to, you know, catch fire like this, mm-hmm. but a small bit of intentionality can like literally shift your entire life. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I would love to share some of the ways in which my life has shifted, but to keep it short in the, on the front end, everything in my life is fundamentally better, easier, more joyful because of that one decision that was simple yet not easy. It was a really profound and kind of outrageous and rebellious decision to make at the time, but it has absolutely shifted the trajectory of my life in miraculous ways that I could have never imagined. Mm, I think we need to normalize the fact that something can be hard and good. Mm-hmm. And we know that like fundamentally yeah. we're like, okay, yeah, that we like exercise, it can be hard, but it's also good for us. Mm-hmm. But at some point it must get easy, doesn't it? Oh yeah. It, it becomes, you know, if you keep, it's just like, like you said, like exercise, it's like flexing the muscle. And the more that you do the reps and flex the muscle, the more just normalized it becomes. And so before I had normalized drinking as a habit and a crutch and a social lubricant. And the more that I got away from it. And I conquered some of these situations that we kind of are afraid of maybe not being able to handle as without alcohol. So social situations, romantic situations, stressful situations, the more that I flex that muscle in those times, the more that I felt like it was a superpower. And I really felt like, wow, 
I have something special here that many people will never experience because they're too afraid to get over that hump. And it gave me a competitive edge in life that couldn't be matched because I had actually, I was showing up and doing the reps and that felt really powerful. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. I can imagine because it's like, you get through that hump of, oh, this is hard and this is different, which comes with anything, any kind mm-hmm. of change that we're making. But what the, the, cha- on the other side of the change, what's happening is all that goodness starts to flow in. Mm-hmm. So to also give the listeners a little background. So I don't drink alcohol just because I don't like the taste of it. Like mm-hmm. I literally like, and just like, I don't even know when this happened. I surely was drinking when I was younger, like, oh, yeah. definitely, you know, but as I shared with you before we hit record, I was thinking back to this because so a friend of mine recently went through dry January and mm-hmm. she was talking about how much better she felt. So she's like, I don't think I'm actually going to go back to it. And she said she was reading this book and in the book, uh, they explained something along the lines of how most people really don't enjoy the taste of alcohol. Like mm-hmm. if you really think about it, you're like, oh, I don't. And in that moment, I was like, that's the thing. It was easy for me to stop because I really didn't enjoy the taste of alcohol. I was the one who's like, I'm just going to take a shot because it goes down faster. (laughs) And I probably have like a whole bunch of like, I don't know, pineapple juice or grenadine or something else in there that's trying to make it sweet. But like the reality was I didn't even enjoy the taste. So me stopping, uh, you know, removing alcohol was like not a, a big change, but what I could understand because I understand habits and I understand my sugar addiction, which is uh-huh. very real, Amanda. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but when we try to break a habit, usually what happens is we find another like crutch. Mm-hmm. So if I was taking alcohol out of my life, then maybe I do lean more into sugar. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I lean very hard into oh, brown. That's right where I started leaning, girl. Stuff, anyway. <laughs> but, but what does it look like for someone who is looking to remove alcohol from their life? How would you coach them through not picking up another habit that is just going to put them right back in the fog that they're trying to escape? Mm-hmm. That's such a great question because yeah, you know, we kind of sometimes in the addiction world, um, which I, I work outside of, it's not a lot of the premises are still very, re- very relevant. There's like a transfer addiction. So you stop doing this one thing, but like you said, you pick up another habit and most of them are things that we're already doing. So sugar, we amp up that sugar consumption because, oh, well, we're not having drinking calories or because also your body craves sugar. Typically when you stop drinking, just because you were getting a consistent intake and now that's gone. So your body's like, feed me sugar some way, somehow. So that is a really big one that we transfer to, but it can also be something like social media, television. Like we just want to check out in any way possible so that we don't have to feel our emotions so that we don't have to feel lonely so that we, you know, can satiate whatever it is that we're trying to feel or the void that we're trying to fill. And I would say that sugar is one of the most prevalent, but the biggest piece of advice that I have there is to remain mindful. And so use a lot of the mindfulness tools that you would normally use that you teach people how to use, but don't be hard on yourself and don't do too many things at once. Because usually what we see with high achieving, ambitious people is it's like, I'm going to go all in. I'm just going to like completely overhaul my life. And when you try to renovate your whole house at once, it turns into a disaster and it turns into a really stressful thing where you're, you're going to have a breakdown. And so I say for 90 days, just do the one thing, remove alcohol. And if that starts to feel easy for you, because it might, I'm not saying it will, because it could still feel really hard the whole throughout a lot of the 90 days. But if it starts to feel really easy and you're not feeling like you're going to be depriving yourself, then maybe watch out for one of the other things. But honestly, I would rather you 
stop alcohol and amp up your sugar consumption because it's the lesser of the two quote unquote evils. Neither of them are evil, but you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And, and then work on the sugar after 90 days, then try to overhaul your life because it's just too much at once, especially with alcohol that there are not only um, habitual components, but it changes the chemistry of your brain. So you're working on neuroplasticity and getting your brain back into its normal behavior. You're working on getting your body physically back to homeostasis because it disrupts all of the major functions of your body. And so trying to do anything else, honestly, is just doing too much. So just focus on the one thing is my advice. Mm, that, well, there's something really key that you just unlocked there, mm-hmm. which is, you know, based in uh, positive psychology and goal setting, which is if you're trying to break a habit, for example, and you don't want to do something, only tell yourself no to one thing at a time. Yes. <laughs> because yes. if you tell yourself no to multiple things, then you feel defeated. Mm-hmm. And you feel like, oh, I can't do all this. Or then if you miss one, then that starts to create a ripple effect into other things. So as you just mentioned, if you just say no to one thing, then, and you say yes to other things, your mindset is still in a place where you're like, oh, I can do this instead mm-hmm. of feeling like, oh, I can't do all of these things. Do so anything. Mm-hmm, mm, that's really, really key. Yeah. It, I thank you for like elaborating too, because then we start to tell ourselves this story, like, we're broken or there's so much wrong with us or we're bad. And so therefore we can't do any of these things. And the best way to approach it is I'm choosing right now for this determined amount of time, not to drink alcohol because I want to, I want to feel better. And I want to see if this helps me to feel better. Right. And that's much, much more empowering than I can't drink alcohol have it. Yeah. Yeah. Those reframes are everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, give me a reframe in any negative moment and I will find my way out of it. Yes, absolutely. It sounds like that's exactly what you're talking about. Now, does that play into being sober curious? Tell me a little more about that term. I'm really interested Mm -hmm. in that. Yeah. Sober curious is a way for it's, you know, we love labels, right? And so for years and years, the only label to announce or share that you weren't drinking alcohol was sober, which is inherently associated with alcoholism, which is a very, very important thing to be aware of. And there's also people who could benefit from not drinking, who do not really rate or rank on the alcohol use disorder spectrum. And so using the word sober for them didn't really hallmark, didn't make sense. And sometimes people who drink every now and then they drink once a year or, you know, they don't not drink, but they're sober curious. They are curious about living a more mindful, sober ish or less drinking lifestyle. And so there was just this term that was created to encapsulate. I'm exploring my relationship with alcohol right now. I'm not you know, sober, sober as, as the term might indicate, but I'm also wanting to learn a little bit more about it. And it was just a really low impact way to kind of open up the conversation for people. And now there's other terms like I'm sober ish. So I, and some people are sober ish if they don't drink alcohol, but they still have, you know, use cannabis or Cali sober actually is the actual term for people who don't drink alcohol, but still use cannabis. Uh, alcohol free is how I identify because it, to me, harkens back to something like gluten free. So that's very easy to understand. Like I choose not to engage with this substance because I'm just free of it. 
And that I hope pause full pause on this. Thank you for saying that, Amanda, because Mm -hmm. I was always wondering, how do I explain this to people in social Mm -hmm. settings? When somebody's like, do you want to drink? I'm like, oh, I'm okay. I don't drink. They usually think it's like, oh, did you struggle with alcohol? And are you like on this path of sobriety? And I, and I would say, well, I'm sober, but actually, I don't know if that means I should say I'm sober because I didn't have a problem with alcohol. So I was like, how do I say like, just so I'm alcohol free. Yeah, I'm alcohol free. And it, it clarifies it people might still ask questions, but it clarifies it so much more quickly. Mm, I, that was very helpful. Yeah. Right good. There. Yeah. That you're out so, there. Good. I'm so glad. Fun. I love a little takeaway moment. <laughs> Lots of takeaways are coming. I feel them already yeah. brewing. They're already happening. Yes. I hope you're enjoying this conversation as much as I am, but before we dive deeper, we're going to hear from one of our partners and then we'll pick right back up where we left off. Are you ready to supercharge your life and get access to more opportunities than you've ever dreamed of? Then join me, James Whitaker, in the Win the Day Accelerator. Presented by Success, this entire eight-part program has been created to help you activate your winning life once and for all. You'll gain clarity on your goals and purpose. You'll learn how to quickly overcome challenges, and you'll get proven tips and frameworks that will deliver you big results fast in all areas of your life. So if you're ready to win, join me in the Win the Day Accelerator. To sign up, visit success.com slash WTD. So what were some of the early challenges that you faced as you decided to pursue this alcohol-free life? Yes, thank you for asking, because I want to normalize some of the fears that come up when you might be sober curious and wanting to dabble. And my biggest challenge was, you know, what about my social life. I, I was single. I, I am single. So if there's anyone out there that wants to put in an application, um, <laughs> so I, we're taking applications. Yes, right here, <laughs> just send them on in. I was single and I was just terrified that I'd be undateable and I'd be unfriendable and that my friends would dump me. They wouldn't want to hang out with me and that no one would want to date me. And that was the biggest fear. You know, I wasn't, I was an emotional drinker, but not so much that I was afraid that I wouldn't be able to handle stress. I was mostly just afraid because I had always kind of been the shy kid, the awkward kid that I was the late bloomer, the ugly duckling. So alcohol was a way for me as an adolescent to feel comfortable going into parties and crowds and places where I didn't know how to start conversations or I didn't feel as cool as everyone else. It was a way for me to start conversations with guys at bars and be flirtatious and sexy and fun. And I never learned those skills. So I was using alcohol as a buffer my entire adult life. And then going in without those skills or with a deficit in those skills, that was scary. It was brave as hell for me to try. And let me tell you what, there are still times where I'm completely awkward and I just hope it comes off as endearing because that's just who I am, you know? And so, but that was really hard. And I will tell you that you know, for anyone in that space, it's actually a huge opportunity because a lot of the things that we're worried about, the people we're worried about might not be fun without alcohol. At the end of the day, the reality is they're probably just not fun. Not the people themselves, not that the people are bad or wrong, but maybe drinking with those people isn't fun. Or maybe you're, you actually don't actually jive and click with that person on a heart level as much as you think that you do. But alcohol is the liquid, you know, thread that binds you together. Or maybe some of the bars and situations that you're going out to actually aren't, I know you're smart. If you're listening to this podcast, I know that you are incredibly intelligent and probably some of the situations you're putting yourself into are not intellectually stimulating. So you're dulling your brain down so that you can tolerate those situations. And when you have alcohol out of the way, it's probably going to be true that those situations are no longer fun and that's okay. 
because there are people and situations out there that will stimulate your brain that will be exciting and solely, you know, connected at the soul level for you. And I want you to have those connections instead of making yourself mentally numb so that you can tolerate situations and people that aren't lifting you up. When you say it that like, you know, logically you're like, Oh yeah, yeah. it makes sense. Well, I wasn't thinking that way seven years ago, you know, I was scared as hell, but (laughs) I've come to see this. And so now I feel it's my responsibility to remind, especially in capable, intelligent, heart-centered people who have so much to give to the world. Like you are breaking down a piece of your intelligence and everything that you have every time that you drink. And we're not getting the full version of you definitely when you're drinking. But if you're like me, for days and days afterwards, hangovers and that fog would last for me for days. And so the, the few days of the week I was at full capacity, it was like so cool. But now that I've been alcohol free for seven, almost seven years, I realized what a disservice I was doing to myself as a friend, as a professional and an entrepreneur, because I was never operating at my fullest creative, intellectual, spiritual, emotional capacity. When I was drinking, it was always just a little numb. And life is so much better on the other side. You're hitting on two things that I feel like are really, really common because Mm -hmm. I have heard my sober curious friend, she has been talking about this. Like we've been talking through her experience. And one of the things that she mentioned was that her friend circles, how sometimes they'll say something, Oh, are you drinking tonight? Or you're not drinking. Mm -hmm. And she's like, gosh, and you know, even her husband, she's like, my conversations with them, or even the way that they're receiving my, you know, sober curiosity uh-huh. makes it a little awkward. Right. Yeah. So yep. she was able to have a very loving, candid conversation with her husband. He was, you know, again, he said it out of love, like, Oh, like now I have to be more on point or something. She's like, you don't have to. So it was a very healthy conversation, mm-hmm. but she said that with her friends, she is feeling like the little bit of the awkwardness because she does want to hang out. She just doesn't want to drink every time that they're hanging out. Yes. Uh, what kind of advice would you give to someone as they're navigating those friends who are now you know, I don't know, maybe changing the way that they interact with you. How, mm-hmm. how do you navigate those social circles when you are the one person who is exploring this and maybe your friends are not? Mm-hmm. Yes. And I go into really deep detail and depth in, in a couple of chapters in my book about this, but I want to give you the, the base level to just kind of give like the good permission. Technique. That's slip a good technique. Yeah. yeah. Well, the first is to realize that It's likely that, you know, when you change, it's going to make other people uncomfortable because it creates a mirror for this behavior and how it could be bad, wrong, or whatever morally for the other person. So without you saying anything, sometimes your friends might just get anxious because you used to do this thing together. And to them, your stopping indicates that there's something wrong with the thing. So there's something wrong with drinking. Therefore, there's something wrong with them. And without any fault on their own, that discomfort sometimes comes off as peer pressure or as an awkward question. And let me tell you what, because this is still such a new kind of phenomenon, the fact that you could just stop drinking out of choice, people are clunky with the communication. Like you experience when people ask, well, are you, are you sober? Did you have a problem? People are very, very clunky and awkward. And if you, as someone who's actively exploring this lifestyle, aren't quite yet comfortable with explaining it and talking about it. And you still feel clunky, then absolutely. The people on the other side of the table who you just kind of threw them a curveball, they're going to be awkward as heck. So give them a little grace and know that they're probably just feeling a little uncomfortable and accidentally judged. Even if you're not judging them, 
and just give them a little grace for how they, their bedside manner, I guess. But also know that you are here to be an example. You're not here to be a preacher. You're just here to share, like, this is what's happening for me. This is what I chose to do. And you can, you know, with different levels of people, like your friend's husband, choose to explain and talk about it at a deep level or with an acquaintance, talk about it just very briefly and broadly. And so I think that the big thing is one, remember that your decision might make other people uncomfortable, but that is not on you. All you can do is give them a little grace. The second is it's really likely that, and, and important to know that as you evolve, your social circles and your preferences might change. And that can make us feel sad, right? Because we've created, we've invested all of these time, this time, all of this energy, we've have what we think is this pretty sturdy connection with someone. And sometimes it can feel really disappointing when that connection doesn't live up to, or doesn't stand the test of time when we change a behavior. So just acknowledging and normalizing the fact that some friendships might fade away. But, 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 but please leave room for friendships to surprise you too. I cannot tell you how many times I had a friendship. I had actually four in specific that I was really afraid they were going to be judgmental. They were going to disown me. They were going to talk behind my back. And from a spiritual perspective, I just got really centered and curious about how could these friendships evolve? Please, you know, spirit universe, whoever you might commune with, if anyone up there, help me to see them with generosity and help me to see them with open eyes and possibility, because it doesn't feel good for me to blacklist these friends just because of a fear that I have. So I open myself up to the possibility that these friendships could transform in some way. And you know what, Karen, they did. They all, you know, started finding, we started finding different activities that we could do that weren't Friday, five o'clock on. So we would go on hikes. We would go work out. We would go eat meals that didn't include alcohol. And those, even though the time was shorter spent, it actually was more valuable because it was the depth of the time, not the breadth that mattered to me. And sure. Did some of those friendships fall off? Absolutely. They did. And there wasn't any big blowout. There wasn't any real housewives moment. It was just, Hey, we're not a match anymore. And that's okay. And it, none of my worst fears came true is what I, what I want to close with. None of my worst fears came true when it came to friendship. Yeah. And if there's any change that we're going through and it doesn't have to be like a change in drinking, it could be a change in it. It could be change, uh, becoming an entrepreneur, right. And having bigger dreams. And that may cause some discomfort in other relationships. Any kind of change could Mm -hmm. cause disruption in the relationships, but as you're your point is very valid. Any of the relationships that are worthwhile, they will stick around. They will Mm -hmm. stand the test of time. And the second point that you had made earlier was the clarity that came and the new like vibrancy and vitality for life that you were experiencing, which was the other thing that my friend mentioned. She was like, when I tell you, I feel so much better, like, and not just the day after. And our friendship was pretty new as she was like exploring that. So I remember she was telling me as like, you know, a part of us getting to know each other is like, Hey, by the way, I'm like sober curious, you know, I'm not, I'm like, cool, me too. And she's like, are you serious? I was like, yeah, I don't drink at all. Like I've, and so the, what has become at the center of our friendship are play dates, like Mm -hmm. legit adult play dates. Like we go play pickleball, we'll go for walks, we'll go, you know, volleyball, like literally Pilates, like any of those things. And you're right. I think when we fear of losing something, we actually lose sight of the fact that maybe losing something is an opportunity and creating more room for something new to come in. And we have definitely felt that in our friendship of 
how our friendship is built off of like literally fun. Yes. <laughs> like to play. And, and thankfully, because I didn't have anybody who's like, oh yeah, I can do three sports in one day. I don't know why I put myself through that, but some days I have <laughs> where I'm like, I just want to be outside. And our new friendship has provided that for literally both of us. Ooh, and I don't think it's any coincidence. This is what I see happening just from an energetic level that you two kind of constellated together right at this time where she's exploring this because you have a similar energy. You're both exploring this lifestyle. You both are, you know, energetic people who want to go play. Mm -hmm. And however you came together, which I'd love to hear this story sometime is probably just a, you know, part of a fact of now your energies are at the same level. She was looking for someone like you, you two may have crossed paths 15 times, but yep. until she got at the level to where you were two are ready to match it just, you, you just were ships passing in the wind. And now at the perfect time, you two are getting together. You're doing all of these activities. You have this bond and this connection and this really open conversation where you're both choosing not to engage in a specific activity and look at all of the other space it created for you. Yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. I tell her all the time that she's the friend that I manifested because I was in a new area and I was like, I don't know how I literally had this whole thought and conversation in my head. How do you make friends as adults? I'm not going out to a bar or a club because I don't drink. Mm -hmm. I'm an entrepreneur. So I work. How do you make friends? And you're right. I just feel like the universe completely supported us and making sure that our paths crossed at the right time, because this friendship has been so life-giving, so life-giving. And, and I am very, very grateful that we connect on that because I know for her, that's something that was important because she was wondering like, am I going to be able to still make friends and be social if alcohol isn't a part of that? And yes, this, the, the answer is yes, it yes. is possible. <laughs> oh, that's so beautiful. I'm glad that you two found each other. Absolutely. Now I just have a couple of more questions. I, my mind is racing. I feel like I have like 40 or 50 other questions, but I'm like, oh, okay, I'm looking at the time. Let's make sure we, can <laughs> we got it. We can, we can land the plane. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I know that you do talk, you were mentioning a little bit, you know, this, the spiritual side of it, but you also blend psychology with spirituality to this approach on like how people can experience an alcohol free life for just your approach to this. Cause I know it also comes from a lot of wisdom from different places. How do you connect those two pieces of psychology and spirituality? So what, so someone can embark on this and feel, you know, really confident about the direction that they're taking their life. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's, you know, I think that we all have, we all know on some intellectual level from a scientific level that alcohol isn't good for us. Right. Like, you know, when I was in grade school, we had dare in fifth grade. Yeah. So we learned all about drugs and alcohol, bad, bad, bad. We know that it doesn't have any, you know, value. We know that if you don't, alcohol is made of ethanol, which is basically like gasoline in your body. It's not good for you. And yet we kind of take some of those intellectual things and we put them on the back burner because we don't want to believe it or we want to ignore it or we want to find balance or whatever. And I find that so many times too, those intellectual things about the, you know, the facts can make us feel shame about wanting to drink or about drinking and using alcohol. And all of the people I work with are highly, highly intelligent individuals. I mostly work with women. So highly intelligent, highly successful women. And sometimes they just need a more sophisticated approach. So if I can meet them at that more sophisticated level and help you learn how on an intellectual psychological level and on a spiritual level, alcohol is holding you back from achieving your truest potential, that which you were put on this planet to do, 
it hits at a different level because I guarantee anyone who's listening right now, who is an occasional or frequent drinker, you're probably doing really great at life. You are probably out there kicking ass, taking names, climbing the ladder, building your business, whatever it is. And yet I know that you could do it faster and easier and with more impact if you were always clear headed. And so if I can show the ways in which alcohol numbs your intellect, numbs your spiritual connection and keeps you a little bit small, whittles away at your self-worth, whittles away at your ability to be your biggest, brightest, most authentic you. That's where I find that the type of woman who I most connect with really is like, Ooh, yeah, this is not for me anymore. And so I pull in modern psychology. I pull in spirituality because I really have I think it just creates a more sophisticated understanding that hits at a different level than just delivering the facts of what alcohol does to your liver or your brain or whatever. I want you to know what it does to your soul and your potential and your ability to be your biggest you. Mm, I love how you said, oh my gosh, that it just makes you play small. And anybody who is a goal getter does not want to play small. And so we are always looking at different areas of our lives to say like, what do I need to remove? What's out of the way? Yet we use alcohol as this, oh, well, it's, it's an escape or it helps me to, you know, relax or unwind but the residual effects are still there mm-hmm. that actually impact you long after the first sip. And so with that, I think that's such a great approach, especially because the people who you're talking to, right. You, you want, so you've, you've been very clear All the people that you serve, they are folks who have a huge vision and, and women who are, as I mentioned in the intro soul centered, right. Yeah. So they, they have an idea of like what their impact is going to be. And for you to be able to gently guide them to this new level of awareness so they can make that choice themselves. I, it's such a gift. Oh, it's such a gift, Amanda. Wow. I love that. I love that. And speaking of places where high achievers like to get together, you know, one of the things that you mentioned is we want to be in spaces where we feel intellectually, you know, invigorated. You know, we want to connect with people on deeper levels. The the folks who you're talking about, and definitely I'm I'm in that circle. I'm like, yes, uh-huh. give me deep, meaningful conversations. I have to say, as someone who hasn't been drinking for years, I'm really happy to see the uptick in these dry bars. Have you seen not the blow dry dry bar, but the- <laughs> <laughs> we love those too. Yeah, love them too. But no, these, I see them all the time. I'm in the Philadelphia area and my TikTok is constantly giving me all these new restaurants and, and these alcohol-free establishments. Mm-hmm. And that was one thing that I felt like was certainly missing on the social scene. It's like, if you're going out, because this is another thing my friend and I talked to, she's like, sometimes I don't want them to ask me. So I'll just get like a glass of water and put a lime in it. And they automatically mm-hmm. think it's a vodka water. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but, but if you don't want to even act like you're drinking, yeah, it's kind of hard to just be out in that setting and you're like, well, okay, is, is this awkward? But to create these spaces where it's like, no, this is a dry bar. This is where we come to get together. I just saw one. I don't actually, I will say, I don't remember if it was a dry bar, if it was an actual bar, but it was also a bookstore. Oh, and love it. Right. I'm like, but I'm sure that if it's a bookstore and a bar, I'm sure that their mocktails are amazing. Right. Absolutely. (laughs) Yes. Very curated and sophisticated. Yes. Yes. So, so my last question for you is we kind of wrap up this, this conversation, which is so life-giving. So thank you again for leaning into your gifts. Thank you. Where would you suggest people start to find their people? I mean, Mm -hmm. if they're, you know, 
short of going to like an AA group where you're like, okay, we're mm -hmm. all here to abandon alcohol. Yeah. How do people start to find like-minded individuals who are also on this quest to do good things in the world and do it in a way that's alcohol-free? Absolutely. Well, you know, having those, looking for those alcohol-free events in your city, there are so many more popping up. And especially if you follow some of the alcohol-free, you know, liqueur brands, some of the alcohol-free pre-canned mocktails, alcohol-free beers, they're always posting about events and places that serve their product. Um, however, I think that you just start to, number one, you're going to start being attracted to different things and you'll get magnetized to people who wouldn't have been a match for you before, kind of like you and your friend. So it could happen anywhere, but it's going to happen more likely in places where you are able to have conversation and people are in that mindful space. So it could happen at a coffee shop. Absolutely. Someplace where alcohol just isn't at the center, but you're thinking more like meetups where people are doing fitness or people, maybe entrepreneurial meetups even. And just knowing that as you, and this is such a kind of dodgy woo-woo answer, but as you start to vibrate at a different level, you're going to attract a different type of person. And so sometimes it won't make sense why you talked to that one person, why they talked to you. And it just so happens that both of you aren't that interested in alcohol. Those magic moments will happen. And you put yourself in places where alcohol isn't the priority, but conversation is you can't just go to like, you know, a movie screening where no one gets to talk. You're not going to meet anyone there. You have to find places that are high, you know, high vibe, high intellect. And also where you have the opportunity to talk and have a conversation. And if you look at meetup or you, you know, get on different Facebook places, Facebook groups where they're curating different events in your city, you'll start to see them. Um, the trick is you have to get up and go to them, which will be a lot less easy than some of the bars and things that you used to do with your friends because everyone was just going to happy hour. But if you have a little bit of courage, I guarantee your people are there. You just haven't quite yet looked in the right place. Mm -hmm. Well, we are very woo-woo over here. Yes. We very much believe about energetic alignment. And I love how you closed with that because that is so true. We know that we attract, right? What we put out. And so if you are putting out there that you want to have friends who are living a similar lifestyle that is life giving mm -hmm. and not life depleting, I just, dear listener, they will come to you, but you have to set your intention clear. You have to live in alignment and then you have to just surrender and trust that the universe has your back because mm. it does. Absolutely. So well said. <laughs> Amanda, thank you so much. This was such a great conversation. Again, I just want to remind listeners in October, make sure that you go and get Amanda's new book, Unbottled Potential. And with that, Amanda, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Karen. This is a great conversation. Thank you for having me. <laughs> of course. This has been In the Details. If you like the show, tell a friend. For more shows like this, go to success.com slash podcasts.